0: Hi, my name is Mike Herpster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message.
1: hey good afternoon that was a good lunch it was good well yeah it was very good and now we come to sit after stuffing our faces and after running around let's see here um how about this let's make a deal here can you give me 30 minutes by that I mean you don't fall asleep for 30 minutes. Can you do that? Can you? I'll, I'll do my best to fit everything in in about that time frame. You know, give or take 10 uh, minutes of that. But uh, we'll we'll I'll work towards that. I know we've already covered so much, and uh, we've got a little bit more to cover yet here this afternoon. And uh, but this this afternoon's message is a really I think a vital link in the chain of what we've been studying. So let's go back to Ephesians 4, all right? Ephesians 4, and our verse is 25. 25, the apostle says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Living a Christian life, in a non-Christian world is vital to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that the testimony, the reputation of Jesus is in your hands, Christian? I'm grateful that uh, God overrules the messes I make and the hypocrisies and the lies and my. I'm grateful He overrules my failures, but in a very real sense, how I live my life in a world that does not follow my Lord really is going to reflect and show who my Jesus is to them. So it is very important how you live. Now um, What we're going to do is follow the apostle's train of thought. Uh, And he gives some needed instruction on how to live as a Christian in a world that's not Christian. And his instruction, I think, may surprise you. Usually when we say, well then, Andy, tell me how to live. Tell me what to do, buddy, and I'll do it. That's the wrong place to begin a lot of times young people have come to me I was youth pastor for many years uh, or someone will go to pastor and say I've got a problem in my life got a problem in my family got a problem in my marriage got a problem at school whatever it may be tell me what to do Eh. we don't start there the apostle doesn't start with what you do he begins with what you think haha so that's what we're gonna do isn't that great in the afternoon? We've got to stop and think after we've eaten. Yeah, this is a key to the Christian life. So what the apostle does, I'm going to give you two words. They both start with D because it's easier that way. All right? The word is doctrine, and then the word is duty. Doctrine and duty. And I realize the moment I say that Sunday word, <laughs> doctrine, our, vo- our voices drop an octave. You know, we got to talk about doctrine. We've got to get very low, long face. Uh, that sounds very adult and very boring, doctrine. You know what doctrine is? Doctrine is teaching. Oh, well, I can handle teaching. Yeah, you can handle doctrine. That's all it means. It's a fancy word for teaching. So what the apostle does is he begins with doctrine And then from that doctrine flows your duty. Or let's use another letter, B. He begins with your belief and then goes to your behavior. Okay. So this is what we're going to do as we kind of lay a foundation from here on out. We're going to look at the importance of doctrine in Christian living and the importance of duty in Christian living. That's introduced in verse 25. All right. That's pretty good. I'm already in my outline. That's really good. If you only knew how much I had in my notes. Okay. So let's talk about the importance of doctrine. This is where we begin. We begin with Christian teaching. What is true because of the gospel? I'm afraid that we often rush to Christian conduct, especially when we are Young people, when we are trying to help young people even, we want to help them become more like Christ, so we rush to conduct without taking time to talk about why it is that we should live this way or the teaching or the doctrine behind it. Uh, I believe this may be a major reason why young adults, after they get out of high school, why they drop out of church. It's not the only reason. But I think somewhere along the line, a lot of young people have tried Christian conduct, divorced from Christian doctrine. The idea is, well, what is Christianity? Well, look, I've got my, oh, I got my long list and my boxes of moral do's and my boxes of moral don'ts, and as long as I can check off the right boxes, woo, I'm doing okay. My conduct, my behavior is good. You know, here's all my moral do's: uh, be kind, check; be good, check; be merciful, check; be forgiving, check. Check, check, check! All my moral dues. Oh, and then there's the big bad boxes over here. Don't you be sinfully angry? Check. Don't you gripe? Check. Uh, don't you, don't you steal? Check. Don't you be immoral? Check. As long as I can check off my conduct, my behavior. Oh, good. I must be a good Christian. And the truth is, the older you get, the more you realize that uh, this isn't exactly uh, what Christianity is. The problem with all of those moral do's and moral don'ts is none of that is Christianity. By that I mean, those things are very good, and a Christian will be conducting himself this way. But you don't have to be a Christian to check all those boxes. Let me ask you this. How many non-Christians do you know who are kind, moral, good citizens? I know a lot. I know a lot, you don't have to be a Christian to be a good person in our world, a kind person and so forth. There is such a thing as pagan, that means non-Christian, that's what pagan means, Uh, non-Christian morality, even religious morality, sure. Many people say, well, of course I'm a Christian. Of course I'm good. Look at all I do. Look at all the bad I don't do. Well, the truth is, Christianity is not something you do. Christianity is something that is done to you. You see, the scripture says in Titus 3 and verse 5, it is not by your righteous works that you have done, but it is God's mercy that he has saved you because he washed you, he regenerated you, he did something to you. You didn't do anything. The only thing you earned is God's judgment. Ah, you needed someone to do something for you and to do something to you. This is Christianity. Uh, You are not a Christian by what you do or don't do. All right, but a lot of people think that that's what it is. Maybe that's you. We can talk further about it later. But once you become a Christian... The Lord requires you to behave like a Christian. We're not going to diminish Christian conduct. Paul doesn't. Verses 25 through 32 is like heavy Christian conduct. We're getting there. But let's not rush lest we uh, miss the big picture here: If we do not take time to lay out and preach doctrine, we end up only preaching moralism, and we're no different from a good, decent moral atheist. Okay? Uh, there's a library two blocks down from my house. It is one of my favorite places to go, and uh, I was in the library, and I went check in where the uh, the, the teenage the young adult, excuse me, the young adult section books, you know, and I started going through there. I went through the nonfiction, you know, the uh, young adult uh, section of the, of the uh, library, fiction, 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 fantasy, fiction, fiction, nonfiction, you know, it's about all that much. But anyway, uh, so I went and I found that area and there was this one book written by a self-proclaimed atheist. Four teenagers. And the whole premise of the book was this. It asked one big question. Can you be a moral, good person without faith in God? Can you be good and believe there is no God? That was the question he poses. And the answer in that book was a triumphant, yeah, you can be good without God. Now, I disagree in his definition of a good person because the Bible says there is no one good, no, not one that is in the sight of God, but as he defines good, I actually agree with his conclusion. You can be a kind person and not believe in God. Uh, You can be a, a person who doesn't cheat and still not believe in God. Religious or non-religious morality always jumps straight to conduct. I'm good, look at what I do. I'm good, I'm fine, look at what I don't do. That's what moralism always goes, goes to. But the problem is that's not Christianity. The apostle dealt with that years ago in 2 Timothy 3, 5. These folks have a form of godliness but they don't have its power, and we ought to turn away from from that. Pagan or non-Christian morality says, you can be good without God, you can behave good without God, but their morality is not our, the Christian morality. Let me see if I can illustrate this one other way, okay? I've been a preacher for many years. Sadly, I look back on my early years of preaching, and I recognize a little bit too much of this in my life. And I've heard this as well. I've heard other preachers do this, and and sadly, it has crept into my preaching earlier. By God's grace, it's not there no more, all right? Uh, But uh, it goes something like this. Young people, don't you be sleeping around. Don't you be immoral. After all, young ladies, you could get pregnant, and you don't want that right now. You're not ready for that. Don't you be immoral. You're gonna be found out. When Dad finds out, he's gonna kill you. Don't you don't you be sleeping around because the truth is, you could get an STD or an STI. Now, time out. Are those good reasons to abstain from that? Of course, those are good. Those are good reasons. Sure. But did you know a a a well-meaning, loving uh, guidance counselor who cares about teenagers? Who is an atheist can give you the exact same counsel. There's no Christ in that. And guess what? That's not Christianity. See, there's a whole different, and the Bible addresses it from the standpoint of the gospel. Your body is the Lord's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And and I'm not going to get into all the reasons. I'm just trying to show you the difference here. That is that, that 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 is shown. Christianity is different. The gospel says you have been taken up by someone who's greater than you. Therefore, there are certain uh, certain certain behaviors that are unthinkable to the Christian. You are an entirely new person who now lives an entirely new life. So I am not interested today in my life in preaching mere moralism. Life is too short. The world is on fire. We don't need moralism, we need Christ. And so I am interested and committed to preaching Jesus Christ. So you say, all right, Andy, Um, have we moved away from Ephesians 4? Because I'm not seeing the connection. No, we haven't. Do you see the first word of verse 25? Wherefore. That's another good Sunday word, isn't it? Wherefore. I don't use that word in everyday language. Wherefore is the same idea of therefore. It's a bridge. It's a connecting word. You know, there's a bridge out here. I just thought of this, all right? Connecting one piece of land from the other piece of land. And in order to get from one side to the other, you go across the bridge. The bridge is the wherefore. In other words, verses 22, 23, and 24, this is the gospel doctrine. This is what is true because of Jesus Christ. So based on this, that you are no longer the old man, you are the new man in Christ, it is an automatic that there's going to be certain behaviors and conduct that is required of you. The conduct of verses 25 to 32 must happen because verses 22 to 24 is true in your life. There's point number one, okay? Because Paul goes there. He says, we've established the doctrine. Now let's show the duty. So let's go to the importance of duty in Christian living. And he begins with a subject of lying. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth of his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, before we get into lying specifically, I want to show you a beautiful pattern that that emerges. This pattern you're going to see over and over again. We're going to see it here in just a minute, we're going to see it tonight, we're going to see it tomorrow morning chapel, we're going to see it tomorrow afternoon uh, chapel, we're going to see it tomorrow night evening service. The rest of the time are together. You're going to see this pattern. What's the pattern? It's a threefold pattern. This is how you live a Christian life. It goes, let's, let's use the Bible words, put off, put on, be renewed in your mind let me put it to you maybe in a way you can remember even better. Negative, positive, Christian reason why. Okay? That's the pattern that's going to show up. A very distinct pattern to Christian living in a non-Christian world. You say, Andy, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. It's okay. You're going to get it because it's going to come and it's going to hit us square in the face over and over. Negative, positive, Christian reason why. Put off, put on, be renewed in your mind. All right? Now, one more thing. And that is, is it fair for God to require us to live a certain way? Is it fair, is it right for God to say, you need to live this way? Yes, it is. We have the power and the ability given to us by God. He would never command you to live a certain way if he did not provide you the power to do it. Has he given you power? Yes, he has. This is what sets Christian conduct apart from non-Christian morality. You have the ability to practice Christian conduct because you have God within you. The power that you have been given is the exact same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, It's called resurrection power. next time we eat, we're going to stand and we're going to quote a verse, uh, Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the power we're talking about. The Holy Spirit, Romans 1, 4, who raised Jesus from the dead, he came to live inside you when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So now the one who raised Jesus from the dead is working and living in your life. You can do whatever the Bible calls you to do, commands you to do. You have all the power you're ever going to need and you're ever going to get. It's not like you get some power now and a little bit power later when I get a little bit better Christian. No, you've been given all the power you're ever going to get. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You're not getting part of the Spirit now and part of the Spirit later. So a lot of times, I've done this a lot. There's a particular area in my life, let's say that I can't quite get past. There's this conduct I continue to fall in. And so I come to God and say, oh God, give me the power to obey you. Uh, wait, time out, stop it. Why am I praying for something I've already been given? You don't need to say, oh God, give me power. He's already answered that prayer. When you receive Christ, you got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, pray for an understanding of what you have. Pray for the belief that you do have it but let's stop praying for power and step out and put off and put on. Do what we're called to do. And you find that as you obey, the power is at work. This is what Christianity is. All right, so with all that in mind, let's now jump into this first thing and that has to do with lying. Watch this pattern. Put off, put on, be renewed. Negative, positive, Christian reason why. Here's the negative. Put off lying falsehoods. Put on truth-telling. What's the Christian reason why? We are members one of another. Let's talk about these three and we'll be done, okay? He starts here with the negative. Put off lying and falsehoods. What exactly is lying? Do you need a definition? <laughs> it's, 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 it's falsehood that pretends to be truth. The intention is to conceal or to distort, to exaggerate, to manipulate, to hide, whatever it may be. Now, you know this. You can tell a lie. You can live a lie. You can imply a lie. You can manipulate a lie. You can smile and lie. You can be kind and complimentary while lying. You can say nothing and lie. Uh, You wear this mask to protect a certain image. You wear this mask uh, to project a certain image, to make you feel better about yourself in the eyes of other people. You know how to put on the mask of being a, a genuine prayer. In order to make yourself feel better in the eyes of others, you know how to put on the mask of being a contrite, repentant person when it helps you. You know how to put on the mask of being a trusting Christian or a humble servant when you need to be. We have all these masks that we put on in order to make us feel better in the eyes of other people. Did you know this is the sin that people in the world hate more than any other? Have you ever realized that? This, uh, they have no tolerance for people who aren't true to themselves, You know, at least just be honest, just be who you are. That the ironic thing is when a person lies, they are being who they are. But this is the one sin that the world cannot handle. We haven't even touched upon the lies that we tell ourselves, lies like this. Well, I'll get right with him later. A lie like this, God doesn't count what I'm doing as a lie. Neither should I. How about this lie? I'm not as bad as she is. (laughs) That's a lie. Or how about this lie? Well, this this little lie is okay because, you know, I have to protect my grade. I have to protect my good name. I have to save time. Therefore, this lie is okay. These lies should have no home in the life of a Christian. It's unthinkable. You shed the dirty clothes of lying. Why? Well, we have a different understanding of lying. The Christian understanding of lying goes back to the Christian doctrine of Satan. You know what Jesus said about Satan? John 8 he said to, to a group of people, You are of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He is a liar from the beginning. He did not abide in the truth. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because he is a liar and the father of it. Lying, deception, falsehood, is all found in Satan. There is no truth in Satan. In fact, read Genesis 3. Why did we fall as humans into sin? Because Satan lied to us. What did he say? You know what his lie was? God's lied to you. (laughs) God has not been good to you. And we believe the lie and we fell into sin. Our world is messed up today because of the deception of satan and the old man the old you lied because the world is in the grip of the evil one so now when you're the new man in christ when a christian lies he or she is showing attachment to the devil you act like you're still in his death grip i think about in the early church a man named ananias and his wife sapphira they lied and you know what the apostle peter said In Acts chapter 5, he said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Lord? Now, I'm not suggesting that every time you lie um, that you are partnering with Satan. But I am saying this, there is a deception that comes from him in there. Every lie is based on satanic deception. This is why the Christian puts off lying we are no longer in satan's grip we are free by the way why does he now now paul's going to talk about uh lying and uh anger and theft and corrupt speech and malice and that's all we're going to be covering throughout the rest of our time why does he start with lying have you ever asked this question why does he start with lying? I believe one reason and probably the main reason he begins with lying is because he's established this is who you are in Christ, so live accordingly. When you do not live the Christian life as God has dis, as God has demanded it to be, you are lying to the world that you are the new man in Christ. You're still living like the old man, so put away your lying. Be who you are. All right, so here's the negative. Put off lying. Then he says, put on truth-telling. That's back in verse 25. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. The Christian understanding of truth-telling is is not based in morality it is based in god's character in god's righteousness the doctrine of god god himself is truth that's john 14:6 jesus said i am the truth the word of god is truth that's john 17:17 17, 17. satan is the lie god is the truth if you look back at verse 24 Here's the description of the new you. You are created after God and his likeness because God is truth. Now you have been created after God, the new man. You can tell the truth. You have that ability, that same capacity. The old you characterized by deception and falsehood. The new you characterized by holiness of the truth. This is who you are. So listen, we are not. I'm not up here saying, you better tell the truth so people think you're honest. You need to tell the truth so people think you're a man or woman of your word. You need to tell the truth because that's what gentlemen do. No, I've got wonderful neighbors who tell the truth but don't have Christ. That's not Christianity. We are being what we are and who we are in Christ. What makes this Christian? What is the... Christian reason why that's the third part of our pattern verse 25 for we are members one of another here is the Christian reason why that we put off lying and we put on truth-telling he says we are members one of another when you see this phrase one another in the New Testament it is talking about relationship in the church brothers and sisters in Christ so what's the apostle concerned with? Unity in, in your church. Fellowship in your church. Remember this world out here that doesn't have Christ? Is this a peaceful world in which we live? Oh, no, no, no. Anger, hatred, bigotry, discrimination, disunity, fighting. And sadly, That's often in the church as well. But that should not be. The the, the unity of the church is what the apostle is very much concerned of. And I believe he is referring to the prayer of the Lord Jesus in the high priestly prayer in John 17, 20 and 21, where Jesus, as he's praying, he says this to his father, Father, I pray for all of those who are going to believe in me through the apostles' teaching. He prayed for you before he was crucified. Did you know that? That's verse number 20. And then verse 21, this is what Jesus prays for his church, that they all may be one, that there may be this unity. Let me give it the exact words, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know one reason why the world does not believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God sent to be the Savior of, of the world? You know one reason why the world doesn't believe that? Because they see very little unity and change in the people who say they are the followers of Jesus Christ. We're looking for answers to our war. You don't got it. You guys are suspicious of one another. You guys are ripping each other apart. You are in so many different wars. You can't seem to love one another. Whatever your Christian message is, it obviously is nothing for me. When you lie, does that build trust or destroy trust? When you lie, does that build confidence and fellowship? Or does it breed suspicion and disunity? Well, you know the answer to that. Here's what the apostle is saying in Ephesians 4 Christian, you're the new man in Christ. We ought to be telling the truth with one another and shunning the lies and the falsehoods of the old way so that the church may be unified. We are members together and so that the world may see that Jesus is the Son of God and can do what they cannot do by themselves. So why does the Christian tell the truth? Because the church matters and the world is watching that's not morality that's Christianity see the difference I'm going to finish there okay and we're going to pick up in verses 26 and 27 maybe today you need to get alone with God and repent of some falsehoods some lies and commit to the Lord to tell the truth because the world is watching and the church matters.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.